0: Well, good evening again. It is good to be with you on this Wednesday night. It's good to be with Kevin and with all of you. If maybe this is your first time joining us on a Wednesday night, uh, we are talking about friendship. We're talking about both the blessings and the struggles of friendship, as well as how the gospel helps us to be better friends, how being a friend with Jesus helps us to be a better friend to each other, how the fulfillment that we find in Christ the fulfillment that we find through Jesus, how that fulfillment helps us to lead better lives and specifically, in this case, be better friends with people. Uh, Maybe it means being friends with people that we're not yet friends with, and maybe it means deepening the friendships that we already have with people, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about, I think, tonight.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm really excited about today's lesson. And as I was thinking about preparing for this lesson, I, I realize that this this topic seemed particularly simple or straightforward to me, and so I
0: just didn't prepare at all. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. Y'all let us know what you think about that. (laughs) Um, But we're gonna start by talking about Paul and his friendship with Priscilla and Aquila. And Priscilla and Aquila, we first meet them in the book of Acts, of course, Um, and when Paul meets them, and when we meet them in Luke's account in Acts, Uh, They are Jewish refugees who have been kicked out of Rome and are living in Corinth because the emperor Claudius had run all of the Jews out of Rome, and so they were living in Corinth because of that, and that's where Paul meets them. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 1, which says this, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome and he went to see them and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. So there's quite a few things we learn here, obviously right off the bat. One is that Paul and Priscilla and Aquila are all, they all have you know their ethnicity in common, they're all Jewish and so they have a lot in common because of that. They um, are all tent makers. And so Paul stays with them, lives with them because he's a tent maker and they're tent makers. So they have a lot in common. And obviously they either became believers in Jesus or they were already believers in Jesus. So they have their faith in Jesus in common. They have their ethnicity in common, their culture in common, as well as a common trade. And they're all tent makers. So from, from Corinth, Paul travels to Ephesus and Priscilla and Aquila actually come with Paul on that that next leg of the journey in Acts chapter eighteen and we'll pick up in verse eighteen. it says after this Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila at Centrea he had his he had cut his hair for he was under a vow and they came to Ephesus and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined, but on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So Priscilla and Aquila stay in Ephesus. And Paul travels travels away from Ephesus, but eventually comes back and probably writes... The book of 1st Corinthians. So he's writing back to the church at Corinth from Ephesus and he sends greetings from Priscilla and Aquila back to Corinth from Ephesus. So we read in 1st Corinthians 16 and verse 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord. So again, I think maybe to point out, as far as Paul's friendship with Priscilla and Aquila go, already in the story, they have a lot in common. They're tent makers. They've lived together. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila seem to be very hospitable people. Not only have they opened their home to Paul, but they open their home to the church. There's a church that meets In their home. And so they host the church community, the church family in their home in Ephesus. And we're going to see that when they go back to Rome, they do the same thing there. And so, uh, but I also want us to notice that, that Paul sort of picks up his relationship with them in several different time periods. And, and they just have a probably deeper and deeper and deeper friendship. It began pretty deep in the beginning, because when you live with somebody, yeah. we're all finding that out right now under quarantine. Right. When, you, when you live with somebody, even relatives, you get to know them really well when yeah. you live together. And so Paul lived with Priscilla and Aquila, and they traveled together. They, they went from Corinth to Ephesus together. And now... Paul is writing back to Corinth and and sending greetings as as well as the church that meets in their house. And then finally in Romans, at the end of Romans chapter 16 and verse 3, Paul is writing to the church at Rome and apparently Priscilla and Aquila had gone back to Rome. So uh, Claudius was gone, he was no longer in the picture and so the, the Jews were able to come back to Rome and so Priscilla and Aquila had apparently gone back And it says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. So again, you see that they're hosting a church family in their home, opening up their home. But here you see even a little bit deeper into the friendship between Priscilla and Aquila and Paul in that Paul says, they risked their necks for my life. They, they, they risked their life to save my life. They risked their necks to save my life. And so he says, not only do I give thanks to them, but so do all the churches of the Gentiles. Everybody, Paul's saying, everybody that has been blessed by my ministry has gratitude to send to Priscilla and Aquila because whatever they did, and we don't know, but whatever they did to risk their necks to save Paul's life, benefited not only Paul, but benefited everybody that Paul taught and and ministered to. So I I just kind of want to land on the fact that Priscilla and Aquila and Paul weren't just, and I didn't say Priscilla and Aquila are husband and wife. Priscilla is the wife and Aquila is the husband, in case that wasn't clear. Um, But Priscilla and Aquila and Paul have a friendship that, that spans years of time, that spans locations, it spans different eras of their life. You know, sometimes I think that we have, we have friendships that last for a season, and so we might say, well, that, that person was my friend when I lived such and such, or that person was my friend from high school, or that was a friend from college, or that was a friend when I went to church over here. But after that season ended, sort of the friendship ended and we sort of move past that friendship and we develop other friendships and, and that just isn't there. But, but this friendship of Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, their friendship spans different seasons of both of their lives and different places that they lived. They continue their friendship and it goes much deeper than merely an acquaintance or merely a you know casual friend, that, that their relationship gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And again, they live together, they travel together, they work together, and they risk their lives for each other. And, and it just occurs to me, and I think this is why this class is so incredibly important, and I hope that this is what people are getting out of it tonight and, and every night, is that many of us, do not have these kinds of relationships. Many of us don't have deep relationships that span different seasons of our life, that span different locations, that get deeper and deeper and deeper as time goes goes on. And the more we learn about each other, the more we love each other and the more committed we are to each other. And that seems to be exactly the type of friendship that Paul had with this couple. And I and I hope that that's what we're seeking uh, to develop in our own lives. And so I think maybe that sort of gives us a good jumping off point for uh, this is the title you gave me, or actually you were thinking one or the other, and yeah, just pick one. Wes and you didn't said, realize we'll that, both. and so yeah. I did both, getting well,
1: insight and leaning in. As normal, I didn't explain anything, so <laughs> I, I just kind of gave you
0: some words and say.
1: well, this is what we should talk about. Now
0: you can go either direction or both directions. I think
1: probably try to do, try to do both, we'll see. I mean, I, I think your point is exactly right. These are the sorts of friends we should want to have, that we should be trying to have. I um, mean, it's interesting. Uh, it, the people and we kind of look back in the span of our lives, and like some were for just for a season, but some are able to be revisited, and mm-hmm. some are gone for a time and come back for a time. Um, and maybe even John Mark is a good example of that too, because for a time that, he was right. definitely gone yeah. in Paul's eyes, right? And and so like in those relationships, in those examples, how do we? get closer, right? Because really, it's easy for us to make friends by convenience. That is what elementary school is for, right? Our kids are friends of people they see every day. Yeah. (laughs) They're friends of people they see every week, right? So that routine puts them together and that's all they have to talk to, Mm -hmm. right? And that grows into middle school and high school and college, right? And so those friends of convenience happen even after college, just work, right? And in church even, right? Mm-hmm. As church is a part of your life on an ongoing basis, then those can be friends of convenience as well. And so it's like, how do I bridge that gap of friends of convenience to um, friends for life, right? And whenever we are in those attempts to deepen our relationship, conflict will happen, right? Like you did with John Mark, like it does mm-hmm. with all of our friends. Right. And so when that conflict happens, we have an opportunity to be closer together as a result of our conflict, mm-hmm. or to be farther apart, mm-hmm. and many times the easiest choice is to be farther apart. Yeah. And um, it, this lesson today is really about how to get closer together. Right. Whenever I wrote "leaning in," that's something of a technical term at times in mm-hmm. in therapeutic circles. To lean in instead of to lean away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's kind of a reference to when somebody makes an emotional bid, or a, a bid being like they are trying to like, get your attention or trying to get something from you in an emotional sense, that um, it, you can either lean in or lean out. Yeah. Right. And many of our responses, it would naturally be to lean out, It'd be like, oh, that's a little too personal, like mm-hmm. a little too um, intense for me right mm-hmm. now. But instead, um, to lean in and to talk about how to do that tonight is really um, what I'm hoping to do. And so like we've talked about a lot during this lesson series, um, it, you'll notice at times as you're trying to deepen relationships that there are moments or things that warrant further discussion. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wow, that seems like a hot button issue for them or it seems like there's something there that I'm mm-hmm. not picking up on. You know, even if it's kind of ill-defined in your mind even, it's just like, I can't wait from that conversation. with a really weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And so revisiting that is, to me, is, is basically what it means to lean in, mm-hmm. is to not allow those weird moments or those difficult feelings in you to escape notice and to recognize that they belong in the relationship that you've got. Mm-hmm. And last week we were talking a lot about um, gaining insight into ourselves, right? And whenever we have these emotional reactions to somebody else to recognize that it comes from their experience um, many times and not from ours. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes from their experience to give ourselves that space to say, well, I don't need to respond well to this, or I don't need to know where this came from because I know it came from them Mm. in their experience. But when it comes from our experience, to look back and think, well, when else have I felt this way? Um, What was that like for me? What am I feeling? right? And so to kind of identify that and help that shape the answer to why I'm feeling the way that I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same is true for other people. And so tonight I hope to... um, describe well how to do that.
0: And it really occurs to me, and maybe maybe this isn't the truth, and maybe this isn't how you feel about what we're doing here, but it really occurs to me that in, in your professional world of, of counseling and therapy, that you are helping to bring some of those tools to us so that we can use some of the same tools, not that we're trying to be our friend's counselor, but kind of we are, you know, in the sense of we all have burdens and struggles and, and, and we're trying to deepen our relationships and friendships. And if we knew what a counselor knows, or if we could seek the insight into somebody's life, then we might not only be able to help our friends, but we might be able to actually have a deeper, better relationship with them if we knew some of the professional ways of going about listening to people and, and leaning in as opposed to leaning yeah. out. Well, and it is a big challenge, right? And
1: that was why last week's lesson needed to come before this week's. Sure. right? Because I, I think we can, at times, put this before the other. Mm. Whereas like we kind of have this very loosely contained reaction to what they're going through. Yeah. And we kind of be like, well, I'm just going to try to make this all about you. Right, and so that's kind of it's not kind of it is a bad thing to do. It's not going to be very helpful or effective, um, because then that will create an an imbalance, and it will be like a very strange situation Mm -hmm. in that that conversation you're trying to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I, I think it's very important that we manage our reactions well. That we we recognize that the things we're feeling are important and that they help us connect with other people. It's an empathetic reaction to what Mm -hmm. they're experiencing. Um, but And even whenever that empathetic reaction leads us to be angry, right? Mm -hmm. To recognize that that is something that's coming from this connection we have with them one way or another. Um, And so if we don't manage our reaction, then we're probably not going to be very effective at gaining insight into becoming closer. Um, And whenever we are... Trying to gain this insight. It's important that we come from this place that's curious, that's interested mm-hmm. in knowing more about them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when somebody is angry, and maybe we'll, we'll go with this example first, like if somebody is yelling at you, if you listen, um, listen in an interested and curious way, you'll realize that they're kind of saying just one thing, Right? And that one thing is what you're trying to understand, right? And so that's your position, Mm. right? Sometimes we make our position to argue back. Sometimes we make our position to have hurt feelings and to shut down, right? But if we want to become closer
0: to this person, then our position is to understand, Man, that's, that's huge right there, and I hope that people will maybe even just pause, you know, yeah. maybe even pause the video, and just <laughs> sit and think about that for a second, and how that would change our interactions with people, that instead of, I want him to understand my perspective. Yeah. He, he's mad at me, but I, he doesn't understand where I'm coming from. And right. it's like, if that wasn't our primary goal, and our primary goal was to find out why are they saying what they're saying? Why are they feeling what they're feeling? And try to understand what they're That's huge right there. And it would, really, it would really revolutionize the way we interact with people if that was our goal, was to really understand their perspective and where they're coming from.
1: Yeah. Well, it was interesting that you mentioned like, that these are therapeutic skills in a certain way. But these therapeutic skills apply directly to being a good friend. Yes. Right, and you don't need to be a therapist to develop these skills. Mm -hmm. Right, and really of becoming the sort of person that is constant, that is directed toward the good of others. Yeah. And that is the sort of thing Jesus calls us to. Mm -hmm. And. You know, I, I am very grateful for my work because it gives me the opportunity to try to be the sort of person that I think Jesus wants me to be. Yeah. And I, I think we can find that we all have similar opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but this one just seemed the most direct to me yeah. in many ways. Um, and whenever we make our position to understand this upset person, then we are also giving them the space to feel the thing that they're feeling already if we try to rush them to what to do about their feeling or to make it go away or to um, to distract it, mm-hmm. then we are basically telling them that their experience doesn't belong, right? Now, I've got young kids, and sometimes their emotional experience do not belong right in front of me, <laughs> sure. right? They belong in their room or something yeah. like that. But... Even still, giving them that opportunity to calm themselves, trying to help them if they'll let you. Sometimes mm-hmm. they won't, right? But you know, giving them that opportunity and then revisiting it, right? That is how I'm helping them to process what they're dealing with. Yeah. And so they're learning, well, maybe I don't need to scream at my dad and hit him in the face, right? Yeah, that's true. I'd rather you not do that because that, this is for you. And but <laughs> But maybe I don't need to do that. But maybe afterward I can see that there's something valuable about my experience and there's yeah. something useful about
0: it. Mm. And you know, all of this reminds me that that just like a family, if you live together or you spend any significant amount of time with someone or you trying to de- develop and deepen relationships mm-hmm. there will be moments like this there will be moments of outburst and and conflict and tension and what we choose to do in those moments is incredibly important because in a family You know, when your kids get upset, walking away and being like, okay, well, sorry, you're not my kid anymore. That's not an option. Like, you're not going to do that. You're you in it for the long haul. You're in it for life. You, I'm going to stick with you. But sometimes we don't have that sort of tenacity with our friendships. But if we start to develop and say, no, no, no. Not leaving just because they got upset. I want to understand why they got upset. I want to understand where they're coming from. I want to understand their perspective. That really shows the the willingness to be in it for the long haul.
1: Yeah, and doing that one time is incredibly hard. Yeah. I mean, I want to warn you that when you do this one time, you're going to be doing it even more. Yeah. Because sometimes, whenever you you give them that space to feel what they're feeling, um, they may feel relieved. Yes. But usually, what happens is the intensity actually increases for for a time, Mm. Um, and so they'll be even more angry. And as long as you are managing yourself and reminding yourself, like this is something that they're experiencing, and it's not it's not just about me, right? And we might see that this is out of proportion with what I would expect from this event. Like, well, yeah, it's not about you. It's not about this event, right? It's about something else. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're trying to understand right and you know i i think about this like it's a formula in a certain way right and so like we have this emotional reaction and like maybe that's what we're solving for and mm-hmm. so it's like the emotional reaction here but how we get to this emotional reaction is this um narrative or like what we understand about their recent situation mm-hmm. so um a good example for this is, uh, and Sam, this is for you, but uh, sometimes I'll go up to my brother and I'll punch him in the arm or something like that, um, and there's no reason for it, but I like to hit him, you know, it's fun. Because that's what big brothers do. Exactly, that's what big brothers do sometimes, um, and so like that is that narrative event, like I have punched him in the arm. Now, Sam usually gets kind of mad at me uh, about that, but there is a certain playfulness to it, right? He knows I'm not trying to wound him. He mm-hmm. knows I'm not trying to injure him. Um, he knows that it probably stung a bit, right? <laughs> so like, so there's all of that. And then he was likely to hit me back, but it comes with that playful energy mm-hmm. instead of uh, bitter and angry and hateful energy, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not just that narrative event. It's this, greater context, to this whole life of lived events, of being punched in the arm by your older brother, Mm -hmm. and realizing that that is sometimes how play happens, Mm -hmm. that's sometimes enjoyable, right? And so I can get to this emotional reaction of not anger and bitterness that I might feel towards somebody comes up off the street, I don't know, and punches me really hard in the arm, right? Mm -hmm. But when it's my brother who does it, then I understand it has Mm -hmm. this other meaning, right? And so when we're with this angry person, and it seems out of proportion, and you know all that happened was they got in trouble at work that day, and they didn't do their job properly, or maybe unjustly got ridiculed for something at work, and then they give this very outsized reaction to it, you know there's this greater history here that you're missing, Mm -hmm. right? And so you're not trying to understand why this event over here made sense that they had this great reaction, this huge reaction. Mm -hmm. I um, mean you're trying to understand like what
0: history am I missing that made this event so powerful to you. Yeah. And that really I mean it strikes me how much you have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt to understand that in their mind at least according to their narrative mm-hmm. that their reaction makes sense. Given what they've been through given their history given their perspective given whatever and I think so often We just write people off and we say well that was out of proportion. You, yeah. you shouldn't have reacted that way You shouldn't feel that way. That person's and, crazy. Right exactly yeah. and we just and, and maybe there are people that you know don't have a narrative that leads up but assuming assume that everybody that says whatever they say or feels however they feel or does whatever they they do that if we understood the chain of events that led to that outburst or that reaction, it would probably, at least, we may not have the same reaction, but at least we'd understand. And right. I think that's incredibly helpful to think through. Our desire should be to want to know what, what chain of events led to this and, and to right. un, at least to understand that perspective.
1: Well, and even beyond this chain of events, because I think the chain of events could actually be massive, massively huge. Right. And so if this chain of events then leads back even beyond the last several weeks, last several months, last several years, it's like, you know, this is rooted in childhood and it doesn't connect easily. Right. Then that is something's still powerful, something's still important, yeah. something can still make sense, yeah. even if it's not completely obvious. And you mentioned the example of like somebody that like you don't know what just happened that mm-hmm. made them act like this. Mm-hmm. It is likely that that person has been listened to very, very little yeah. about what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And that they've either experienced from themselves or from somebody else that what they are experiencing and feeling right now is not important, not valuable. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you being the first person that's going to do that for them, possibly in their life, that is something you're taking on. That's a, it's a risk, right? It, and it will likely lead to more of the same, yeah. right? And so remembering for yourself, like my role here is to support. Mm-hmm. My role here is to love. Um, then you have that opportunity to be um, very Christ-like to them, mm-hmm. right? Because this is the sort of thing that Jesus did yeah. all the time. Yeah. And if you think about the, the widow at the well, right? And... It's out of story. You know, I remembering properly. Uh, the,
0: the woman at the, the well. The woman yeah. at the well. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Um, <laughs> she
1: was a widow of, of several men. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, it, you could you could say widow. I, I don't know that it was widow, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I'm not a not, a, not learned in the Bible. It seems, um, but yeah, in that moment, he connected her experience with what mm. she's dealing with right now. Yeah. Right. And whether that was supernatural knowledge, or he just knew her from around town, or or anything, he saw her experience and brought validity to it. He brought reason and love to her moment.
0: Well, and you know, and it strikes me, these two terms, and I'm, I'm actually glad that we used both of them because it strikes me that sometimes you, you're going to gain that insight. And if that's our desire, that's a great desire to want to know, you know, the woman at the well, John 4. So you, you've got this woman, well, Jesus... Had insight into her life, which is how she knew that he was the Messiah. He knew all these things about me. We might not. We might not know. We 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 should want to get to know her. And no, tell me about your life. Tell me about your relationships. Tell me about your your husband. You know, and and seek that information. But until then, until we have that insight, I think leaning in and just assuming and giving the benefit of the doubt they have a story, everybody has a story, and their story has led them to where they are right now. And if I understood their story, which I don't at this point, but if I did, it would all make sense to me. And I think even just allowing ourselves to live in that moment where we don't yet have insight, where we're seeking insight, but we're still leaning in anyway, where we're like, I have no idea why Kevin reacted that way, but I love him and yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to be here and I'm going to let Kevin be who he is right now. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to assume that his reaction or response was totally unjustifiable or, or inconceivable why he reacted that way. I'm just going to love him anyway. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and believing that formula, right, I get, that is something taken on faith in a certain extent. Yeah. It's like this emotional reaction that I can witness like whoa, yeah. <laughs> uh, this doesn't seem like something I should want to be close to, mm-hmm. right? But believing that it's there for a reason, that it's valuable and it's important, yeah. can give you that space to to draw close to somebody who you might not want to draw close to, yeah, right. And then even without knowing what that emotional reaction can be, given what you understand about somebody's history, given what you understand about um, what has just happened recently to them. Mm-hmm. Right. You can suppose what sort of emotions they might be feeling. Yeah. Because we tend to draw out our emotional conclusions in a pretty similar fashion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is so helpful, Kevin. And, you know, I, and tying this back to Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, I have to imagine that there were probably moments. If you live with somebody for any amount of time, yeah. there were moments where there were, there were outbursts or there, somebody got mad or somebody mm. got angry or somebody didn't understand. Why why did you say that? Why did you do that? I'm sure Priscilla and Aquila had those moments as a husband and wife, and I'm sure that having Paul around as they traveled and worked together and and even lived under the same roof for a while, I'm sure that they had those moments of tension, yet their relationship lasted because they did this. They leaned in. And so I really appreciate you bringing your, your wisdom and insight to this subject and encouraging us encouraging all followers of Jesus to do what you said, you know. Look like Jesus. Lean into those relationships and and seek to have insight into why maybe somebody is responding the way they are. So thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you joining us tonight. And as I try to remind you every week, I know that we're disconnected right now. We're socially distant from one another, but just because we're distant doesn't mean we have to be disconnected. In fact, this is a moment and an opportunity that we have to connect with each other, not only you with the people in your life, but also with us. And so if there's anything with which we can help you, or if there's anything for which we can be praying on your behalf, please, please let us know those things. But let's, uh, let's close with a prayer. Father, we, We thank you for this time that Kevin and I were able to spend together, and Father, we pray that you help all of us, everyone who's watching and participating, that you will help us to have the courage to lean into difficult and challenging relationships, as all relationships can be. There's always moments of tension and conflict in any human relationship, at least in this age. Father, we long for the age to come where there will be perfect harmony once again. And Father, we pray that Jesus may come quickly and make that reality um, true forever and ever. And Father, we long for that day. But in this time, right now, in the present in which we have conflict with each other, help us not to run away from one another, but to seek to be more and more like Jesus and lean into relationships in spite of the challenges. And Father, may we receive the blessings of those relationships and the blessings of the relationship we have with you through Jesus. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.